Welcome, Adri. <laughs> I'm really, really, really grateful to to now really have a sit and um, going back to your birth story. Um, so this is also for those who are listening. Um, this is one of the a new episode of the podcast that I'm sharing about birth and natural birth keeping and birth stories of women who in my in my eyes in my view are very inspiring and who taught me a lot about birth and um, what it means everything around it like motherhood and and one of the persons who introduced me in a way um, what it means to be around babies and what it means to be around mothers, newborn mothers, was Adriana. And um, Adriana is from Guatemala. Uh, she lives in a beautiful place, Lake Atitlan, in San Marcos, La Laguna. And um, I spent a few weeks, maybe months, um, with her at her place after the birth of her baby, of her son, uh, Leo. And there is a lot of beautiful aspects that um, I feel are very interesting and inspiring for other mothers to be and for anyone interested in motherhood and birth. So thank you, Adri, for being here. And um, yeah. If there is anything you would like you would like to share from your part of how you entered your your pregnancy and uh, that are important for you to share and for us to hear. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Hi Lika. Well thank you so much for having me and thinking of me for your podcast and um yeah it's sweet for me in my heart to think that somehow my story has been inspiring you and maybe other women as well to to tap into our, I guess, into our animal self and connect deeply to to the way that we are or to the cap cap capabilities that we have uh, to connect so deeply to ourselves and be able to to give birth in in that state. Um, well, as Lika said, I'm from Guatemala. I uh, I live in a small town, the lake shores of Lake Atitlan, and um, I guess I was lucky enough to also grow up a bit out of the cities uh, for most of my childhood and to have some contact with nature and to have been born to hippie parents <laughs> who already in the 70s um, were kind of alternative for their time. You know? So I was born at home. I was born in my grandmother's house and when I was born, my parents were living in a very tiny town deep in the highlands of Guatemala, helping rebuild after an earthquake. And um, 
And I think that that set a lot of the tone for the rest of my life because being born naturally and then being able to spend time and and just like grow in the in the fields in the in nature and you know also very connected and I mean really our our community at that time when I was born was an indigenous community so we were very in touch with more natural ways with uh, the Mayan Mayan cosmovision and um, very connected to to the ways of nature to natural cycles to to the respect for life and for other living beings you know and and even though we lived in that small town only until I was three because of the civil war in Guatemala I think that infused the rest of my life with uh, that kind of uh, natural mm-hmm. style and then, uh, well, I was lucky enough that my mom had three more kids, so I have three siblings, and all of them were also born at home. So I saw my first birth, part of my first birth, when I was six and my brother was born, and then another part of another birth when my sister was born. I was eight or nine, and then finally when my smaller sister was born, I got to see, be present more time during my mother's birth. And I have more memories of that one when I was 11. So in my mind, it was always the normal way to have kids was having kids at home, you know. And so, yeah, when I knew I was pregnant, Actually, I was in the States, and for me, it was very clear that I wanted to come to Guatemala to for my birth, and and I thought I wanted to come here to San Marcos La Laguna because it felt like a remote place where a natural birth would be easier to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and... Um, well, and to my surprise, you know, the medical industrial complex has gotten everywhere in the world. And traditional midwives here are under a lot of pressure to, I guess, comply with medicalized birth in 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 quite a few ways, so they're not able to practice their gift freely, I would say. <laughs> and um, and so I started looking for for a midwife that could that I felt I could share that way of seeing birth as just absolutely natural. Like there, there in my mind, you know, there is nothing else that needs to be added to the to the formula other than just a peaceful space and a 
and a mother that can connect to her to her body and to her animal self you know mm. so that's why I decided to come have my baby here in San Marcos when and was this? so this was uh, a while back already um, this was uh, so this is 2020 to 2019, 2018, 2017. <laughs> yeah, so and I gave birth in July 2017. So I was pregnant in 2016. Yeah, so Leo was born on July 19th in 2017. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like such a long time ago, but at the same time, not so long ago. Yeah, definitely uh, birthmarks uh, before and after in terms of how time passes. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. you came to Guatemala, you came to, well, you came to San Marcos and you were looking for this midwife who you felt would be supporting your vision of what you feel is birth yeah so i i did find one midwife um uh, i think she's she's a beautiful midwife and um And um, and so she was following. She was uh, following up on on all my pre. How do you say that? Pre. Prenatals. Prenatal. Yeah, all my prenatal care. And um, and then I guess we sort of had like a miscommunication because well a few things happened. No, we kind of had a miscommunication because. Um, she was planning to travel and um, and when she asked me how I envisioned my birth I was speaking mostly about just like me and my experience I wasn't speaking so much about the people around me or what was happening around me <clears throat> so she didn't feel that I was asking her to be there or she didn't feel that I felt that she was essential to my experience Later on, yeah, I understood that that was some sort of miscommunication because at that time when she started being my prenatal midwife, I was expecting and thinking that she was going to be there for my birth. And, um, and so there was that situation where I suddenly found out that she was planning on leaving a few days before the birth to go to her dad's wedding. So that was kind of a shock at that moment. But at the same time, there was another parallel story happening, which was about um, the plan B, coming up with a plan B. <laughs> and that idea of having a plan B just didn't fit my head because in my mind, all women can give birth and 
if you have what you need, which is just like a, a space and quiet and, you know, I, I prepared my space uh, pretty pretty good for the birth. So I felt I had everything I, I needed, right? So mm. I didn't, and I couldn't imagine at any point of the birth that it would be good to stop what I was doing and get on a boat across the lake because I'm in Lake Atitlan and the nearest hospital is across the lake. So I would have to get on the boat across the lake mm. and go to a hospital. And for me, that just felt like absolutely so alien. It didn't fit in my head at all yeah in any kind of possibility so was just the midwife coming up with the idea that it may be good to create a plan b yes so this was part of um the protocol that she was working with at the moment okay later after our experience i know actually that the protocol changed because i guess because my experience brought some things to light that made a change which is great because now other women don't have to go through that but yeah it was part of the midwife's protocol that i we had to have a plan b and so we had to talk about a plan b and we had to figure out the details of the plan b and um uh yeah And for me, it was really shocking because I wanted to know exactly, okay, so in what cases is a plan B recommended or required, you mm. know? So I remember there were only like maybe four cases out of like a nine page list of all the things that could not work out for a birth. And um, Which to me was really shocking because I thought it was so important to talk about how the birth works and not about everything that can go wrong in a birth, you know. Talking about everything that can go wrong in a birth definitely doesn't help the mindset of a pregnant woman about to give birth, you know. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to just like steer away from that <laughs> um, conversation entirely. Um, but I lost my line of of thought a little bit maybe you can help me recap mm. there you were going about like the creation of the plan b oh yeah <clears throat> okay so oh yeah but i wanted to talk about how i prepared the space oh, yeah. so yeah so so with this plan b basically there were like four four reasons why you had to transfer and out of all the four of them there was only one that sounded like Like, um, I mean, if you were bleeding too much afterwards and you have a hemorrhage, that would be after the birth. And there was mm -hmm. only one other one that sounded like something had to be done. But it was like if the cord is stuck with the head and then the midwife has to put her fingers in to make sure that the blood is still flowing through the cord while the birth happens. But I really couldn't see how getting out of my house and getting on a boat across a lake would help that situation in my mind. And after reading spiritual midwifery, I thought in that situation, I just really need to go more inside and find more inside of me what it is that needs to happen to be able to birth the baby. Mm. And that was also the answer that I got in most instances. Like if anything happens, 
I'm just going to have to have the ability to go more inside and have the space to go more inside and have the people that are taking care of that space so that I can go more inside and find out what belief is running in me that is not allowing me to continue uh, in the flow, you know, of the birth. So that, that was about that. And then about, yeah, I prepared this space very, very nicely. And I moved into this place when I was two or three months pregnant and I decided to build the bathroom with a bathtub where I could give birth. So we built that bathroom and I had things to hang on from the room and my bed was ready with like a double layer sheet. So I felt like really held in all the spaces in my home. I also, something else that was big in my prenatal stage was I decided that I didn't want my mom to be here for the birth. And that was uh, kind of like a hard, a hard decision and something hard to communicate as well, because she was really expecting to be here and because she had to, had all the natural births and so much experience with natural birth. Um, it seemed like, um, like, it seemed like really obvious that of course she was going to be here. Mm. But then in our mother daughter dynamic, I, I felt very judged by her and I started imagining when I was writing out my birth plan, I started imagining that I wanted to set up a curtain in the middle of my house and that I would tell my mom that she had to stay on the other side of that curtain, like in the kitchen side of the house and that she couldn't come to my room or to the living room. Mm. <laughs> and I realized, wait a second, why are you thinking that? Mm. It was actually, if I look into my heart, I don't want my mom to be here, you know? Mm. Even if it's really weird in my story, in my family, in my situation to not want my mom to be here, I really had to listen to that. And today I'm really grateful that I did because I think that that gave me the space that I needed to be able to have the birth that I had. But it was a challenge for sure in that moment to listen to myself, to really listen to what I needed and then to voice it out. And then to work through the emotional stuff that came after because my mom was not happy and I was, I was also not happy that she was not understanding, you know, and it was definitely a, a something to work through. But I think it was really, really, really important for me that I listened to that and that I did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where, maybe this is not where you wanted to go, but um, where did you see, where would the midwife be in, how would how would be her her role that you would like her to to be during your birth? Yes. So Hannah asked me this question, you know, and I and so my answer was like, actually, I just want you to be really quiet in a corner, looking, and and I want you to realize when it is that I will need to look into your eyes just to know that everything is okay. That's really what I asked her for. That's the only moment that I felt, like if I felt that I was falling apart, that I wanted to look into experienced eyes and just get a nod to know that everything is okay, you know, that that it's following a natural process. 
And looking at it back today, I mean, that was still my insecurity, you know, because when you go really deep into the knowing that millions and millions and millions of women for thousands and thousands and thousands, if not millions of years, have been giving birth, we're clearly not suffering from underpopulation. So that means that we all women have been doing a really good job. Maybe the last 50 years, it's gotten really weird with the C-sections and medicalized birth, but it's very recent that human women are not birthing naturally. Mm. So when I really connected with this knowing that this is it, then then I also connected with the, I guess, <clears throat> power on one side, but surrender also. It's like a, a very intricate weaving of power and surrender, you know, like it gave me the power to surrender, knowing that that we can birth, really knowing that we can birth because we have been birthing. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) And, um, yeah, was she okay with that? Um... So, I mean, we had had previous conversations about, uh, yeah, about the old time midwives that would just sit and knit, you know, and just be really quiet in a corner sitting and knitting. That's also where I got my ideas. It was not like that was the first thing that came to mind, but... Maybe she also felt a little bit weird, you know, because I'm sure that, or I imagine that most mothers want the midwife maybe to intervene more. For example, I didn't want the, um, I don't even know what it's called, but the test where they're hearing the heart baby or... Yeah, the Doppler? Yes, exactly. Like, I didn't want to use the Doppler, like... I didn't want anything to take me out of it because, well, maybe this is going to start also sound really weird, but this is who I am. So I, I imagined to myself that birthing was going to be like a shamanic journey. And, and journeys have like parts to it, you know? So so I tried to imagine like what, how the birth was going to be in relationship to the parts that the shamanic journey has. And, um, and thinking also about experiences with like, yeah, with LSD or mushrooms, you know, like when you are deep in the experience, you are learning so quickly as you go in the experience that every piece along the journey is helping you for the next step in the journey. So I couldn't imagine that I had to come out of that state 
to do something practical because it was going to get me out of my state of journeying. So that's why I felt that I didn't want to be interrupted with the Doppler or knowing like how how big the um, dilation dilatation. the dilation is the cervix. So and also, I mean, really, the spiritual midwifery book I think really um, influenced a lot how I was thinking and feeling as well because when you read about all these births all these different possibilities a birth really can go any way you know and they almost always go well you know so so i i had the feeling that any way that it went, it was going to be the right way and the perfect way. Mm. So, I, and I realized that the things that are said like dilation has to go like this and like this and like this in this stage, there's examples in spiritual midwifery where women are not dilated and five minutes later they're super dilated. Or where... Um, they're dilated and then they think of something very stressful and then it closes mm. up again and then it reopens. So I realized that there's not really like it has to be like this and this and follow this and this. No, it's just like so open to that one specific particular experience of birth that um, that I just felt sure that whatever it was, it was going to be perfect, you know. And, of course, with my midwife, I also had to talk about death, you know, because I didn't want to have a plan B. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, if we're dying, then I know this might also sound really weird, but if we're dying, I just want to die in peace, you know. <laughs> I, want to, I don't want to die, like, rushing to a hospital. So if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And if it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. You know? <clears throat> so I also recognize, I mean, I had that maybe it's a bit like extreme uh, mindset. You know? But that's how, that's how I was feeling. It sounds and like it's based upon a lot of trust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And what did what do you think of course did you did something help you to gain that trust like for example the reading of those stories and the way you were born yourself in your youth and how you grew up Yeah On one side I feel you know like it's a whole life story that builds up because giving birth to a woman in a sense it's like culminating something and going through a portal and and so all of life is preparing you for that moment because it's the most intense uh, initiation up till then then if you have for me this is my first birth you know so i don't have other births that i can compare it to, which would be the case for moms that have given birth more than once but for a first birth i think it's definitely the most intense 
everything so far, you know. So you're going to use everything that you've learned in your life at that point, you know. Your mm -hmm. temperance, your ability to stay present and focused and positive and, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and what was the question again, I'm trying to think? I think you answered it. It already blew away. Um, I think I asked you about what helped you to, like, is there anything oh, yeah. in particular that helped you to gain the trust? Yes, yes, thanks for reminding us. So definitely something that I want to mention is the um, uh, free birthing podcast. Hmm. The Free Birthing Society. I Well, when I was going through all the thing about having to come up with a plan B, and for a moment I was trying to come up with a plan B, but I just couldn't get myself to do it, I talked with a dear friend of mine in Holland who is a doula, Sarah, and she recommended that I connect with the, this group of women. Um... And so I connected on their Facebook page and their newsletter and their podcasts. And I listened to their podcast. And there was a beautiful story of a woman who gave birth in the forest with her wolf in a total wild environment. And... Um, by herself and it was so empowering to listen to that story and so you know when I listened to the stories of the free birth society I thought okay these are my women I found the women that feel like me I feel like them I could really relate to the to the to the need to have a natural birth and to the need to be able to have birth on our own terms mm -hmm. and uh, and listening to women that did it was really super super empowering so i was when i discovered that um, my midwife was not going to be here i was definitely not going to have a plan b um that i would be in my house with my sister and maybe a doula and uh, Bobby, the dad, um, and then I just went full on to read these stories, listen to this podcast, and just feel super empowered. And I think that that really feeling that connection, even if it was through the ether, because I never met these women, you know, um, hearing those stories and being able to to really. Yeah, connect with other powerful women that are doing it was really amazing for me. And it really helped me like boost my confidence and my trust all the way to the roof. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. So I wanted to mention that in that story. But I think it's like all of your life, you know, it's leading you up to this moment. And then also the things that the universe sends you. For me, that was like a great gift that I received. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. And um, at what point did you um, 
this was like right before like you were actually going to give birth that you realized that the midwife was not going to be there and you went on with your I can't remember what week was it, but it was, um, yeah, we were still around week like 35, maybe something like that. Yeah. Or at least that's the feeling I have, but I don't really know. But um, we still had a chance to look for other midwives. I still tried to find other midwives. Hannah had a midwife that she was going to be working with and I had a visit with her but I didn't like her her touch and she was very medicalized midwife so she wanted to do like um forget again how you can the call Doppler. it the yeah every half an hour and so for me that was big no no and <clears throat> we tried to get a midwife from San Pablo and my mom had another friend midwife who was traveling and maybe she was going to be through here but then it ended up no so all of a sudden, all the midwife doors started closing. And at the same time, uh, I was gaining a lot of confidence in doing it, doing a free birth. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, yeah. how did you feel um, at the moment when you were starting, when labor was starting to happen? Um, what did you do <laughs> when you realized? <laughs> okay. Well, um, Bobby was in the States until a few days before the birth, but he came here. <clears throat> so we were in, in a bit in a, in a mood of like waiting. Also, something that I can mention is that a few weeks, I think it was week, yeah, week 37, actually, I started losing some of my mucus plug. And so that put me in a bit of a mood, okay, like this is um, kind of like happening soon. And uh, so I started like really chilling out and taking it super easy and not moving too much and just like really chilling. Yeah. Um, and so we were waiting for, for Bobby to come so that he could be here for the birth too. So Bobby came on the 17th and um of june you know everything is pretty ready i even um i covered all the actually this was my doula i asked my doula to cover up all the windows with like black plastic bags um so that the all the house would be have like a cave kind of like a cave uh, feel to it and uh and so this started like a few days before. So by the time Bobby got here on the 17th, the house was all um, dark. And, you know, it was like really, <laughs> in Spanish we say ambiente de parto, like uh, birth, uh, birth vibe. Birth, 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 yeah, birth vibes, totally. And... Um, so Leo was born at like 3.45 in the morning. So the labor started the evening before that. So that was on the 18th. And we just, I thought, you know what? Let's have a nice bath. So we made a nice bath with Bobby. And um, we're like using the bathtub where Leo's going to be born, you know. And... Um, 
just like super kind of like really chill soft mood you know and just relaxing in the in the tub <clears throat> and then uh, after a while of of just like chilling and talking and reconnecting and everything um i felt like something coming out you know like kind of like in through the lips i felt like a bit a gush of something when i was still in the water and i was like hmm okay something's happening here something's moving so and i still didn't say anything to bobby but i was like okay i think i want to get out of the water and <laughs> and um and so i started just like moving very softly trying to really tune in with my body to try to feel what what was happening if it was just uh, i don't know some little feeling of something or if something was actually happening you know like at that point you don't know yet that the birth is happening right now you know and um and so so yeah so i got out and i and i was kind of like checking myself with the mirror and looking at myself and it was i could see that the mucus plug was coming more out mm -hmm. and um and i thought i told bobby you know what don't empty the bathtub i have a feeling <laughs> so and so why did you say that bobby started getting kind of nervous he's like oh you know <laughs> okay don't what enter the say? what was the reason to not enter the bathtub for him oh no in this moment we were both we were both in the bathtub for a long time and so we were already coming out of the bathtub i don't know why you understand that part of not coming in the bathtub i heard that you say you said to bobby not do not go in the bathtub oh don't empty the bathtub oh don't empty okay yeah i said bobby don't empty the bathtub because i have a feeling you know and and so he started getting a little nervous and i started checking myself with the mirror and um and so i like dried up and and put my like soft clothes that i had on i was kind of like yeah really feeling it and i and and then yeah we got in the mood of like okay let's wait something's gonna happen and I sat on my birth ball and I started just like doing little H shapes and circles here in the living room. And Bobby was sitting in the, sitting in the living room, just staring at me. And we were literally just like, okay, something's going to happen. Something's <laughs> going to happen. And then pretty much in silence. And then the water broke and it was like so surprising because it's so much water. Like I really, I didn't, couldn't imagine that it was going to be like that, but it broke and there was tons of water around the living room and Bobby immediately jumped off a of bed and he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And I was like, okay, go get the towels. And it's funny because very early in my birth, I realized you really have to surrender. And this was it with the towels because we had towels for special towels for the floor, special towels for the bathtub. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty like, I attention to detail. So I had the little special thing for everything, right? So Bobby runs down and he took, gets all the towels that are for the bathtub and he throws them in the floor. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, that's it, you know, like start letting go right now. Just 
let go. <laughs> so that set the tone for that kind of funny thing, you know, where you have to be like, okay, Surrender. this is it, you know, like I'm not going to be in control. And for mm-hmm. me, I guess that's kind of a big deal. ¿Quieres un palio? Vente. Okay, so you were sharing um, that for you you started to really have to let go of things and that yeah, you're not in control. It was like a joke for me. You know, it was the universe telling me in a kind of funny way that it was time to let go. <laughs> uh, to let go my control. My control freak. <laughs> um, and... And really very shortly after the water broke, like within minutes, I started getting uh, my first uh, contractions. And um, I was really surprised. I was surprised at the intensity. Mm. I guess that is the one possibility that I didn't imagine was that birth could start like that because I thought birth would start like slowly and going up in intensity and uh, more often, the constructions more often, more often. But in my case, the contractions started already pretty intense and already requiring my full attention. Mm and my my full attention to the to the contraction and to the breath right away so i had like one contraction or two sitting on the ball and then um i decided to go on the couch on this pose where you're you're on on four Está bien en la entrada, mi amor, gracias. Es que ayer en la noche cuando entramos yo te entré con los zapatos puestos y me los quité al lado de la cama, pero ahorita ya se pueden poner ahí en la entrada. Muchas gracias, gracias. And um And um yeah, and then I had another couple contractions on the couch where you're in this pose with your all fours, with your head down and your bum kind of up. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember this can uh, kind of like help you with the sensations. And so I did that and I had another couple of contractions. And it was really, really, really intense. Like I was so surprised and I thought, okay, I have to get back in the water. I had been out of the water not very long from the bath till now. And I was very grateful that we didn't empty the bathtub. (laughs) So I got straight in the water (laughs) right away. And, um, and that really helped. And I started recording my contractions on my phone. 
And I think I recorded about seven contractions before I couldn't even be on the phone or speak or do anything again. I was really pulled me right right into it. Hmm. And um, and I had seen a couple of videos of um, women doing toning hmm. while while they were birthing, and also I was doing a bit of toning practice um, while I was pregnant. So it started coming very natural that with every contraction and my breath, I was making sound. And. <clears throat> And really, time started flying by, kind of, because not a lot of things happened during my birth, actually. Um, during the five, four or five hours that my birth was. Um, I was in the bathtub, I was breathing, and I was stoning. Mm. For hours, I didn't speak with anybody. I didn't um, give me give give me a pause again. Quieres ir un poco muy sí. Mami, ¿va a dejar la comida de los gatos? Sí, un poco. Now, so I was saying, I feel like not a lot of things happening during my birth. I just like really went into it. And I was just breathing and toning, mm. and um, just letting all, letting my mouth do all the sounds that it could produce, you know. And in my bathroom and in my bathtub, it sounded kind of nice. Mm -hmm. So I liked, I liked hearing my breath in, and I liked hearing my voice out, and. Um, yeah, and something happens with time. I don't know how to explain it, but a few hours went by. And um, at some point, I, um, yeah, it started feeling more intense. And, and I remember I called, um, I called my sister in. This is a kind of a funny thing, but I, I told um, my sister and the, the doula and Bobby that uh, if at any point I was feeling insecure or doubting myself, that I wanted them to tell me something specific each, right? So, um, like, Bobby was just something like, you can do this. My sister was like, Think all the women that have given birth before and Julia, I don't remember the words that I gave her. <clears throat> so at some point I was I was like, Wowie wowie, this is getting really intense. Maybe I need to hear those words. So I called in my sister and she called the other guys and I was like, Okay guys, now tell me now what is that you have to tell me? I need to hear it. So they all told me and then very quickly I realized, okay, none of that really helps. I mean, it helps me remember that I knew that I can do this. But the specific words didn't really help in that moment. It was just, again, it was a little bit funny, you know? It's again like the universe 
telling you, oh, but you already knew that you were going to need this and you already prepared it for yourself. Mm. You gave it to yourself <laughs> and you already knew that, that you're going to be just fine out the other side after you hear it, you know, and you <laughs> have to continue. <laughs> you gave it to yourself. So, yeah. And so, but it was a nice way to, I guess, give me a message from myself to myself, myself in the past to myself in the present in that moment. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so very quickly I realized also that what I needed to do was just simply really get back in again. And uh, so I did that. And then I had another moment of, of doubt. And I remember I started like putting fingers inside me trying to figure out, okay, like, can I feel ahead? Am I dilated? How, how far into it am I? How much is left? I started having these questions. And so I think Julia, the midwife was around the, the bathroom at that point. So I remember I touched myself and I told her the head is really far up. And so we still have a long ways to go. And I got back into it. And I think she said that that was only maybe like 20 or 30 minutes before before Leo was coming out. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think that helps as a reference because I think that when we when we are deep in the journey of birthing, and we, yeah, and the sensations and the feelings or the thoughts that we're having pull us out of it. Um, we, we like to have references, you know, because we're still human in a, in a timeline, right? So we want to know, like, how far in and how much we have left and mm. stuff like that. But as soon as you go back into that space mm. of the birth journey, time doesn't matter again anymore. So it's funny to see how your brain kind of like hijacks you maybe for a minute, you know, and wants to know information. And then as you're able to let that go and get back into the, into the journey, then all of that doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. And, <clears throat> and so, yeah, also after that, I, I wanted to get out of the water for a little bit. And, uh, or I wanted to get out of the water because I had this thought that maybe I'm taking too long in the water and that I had heard that maybe it's not the best idea to go in the water too soon. And I went in the water since the beginning. So I thought, okay, maybe I should get out of the water. <clears throat> and I got out of the water and I had one contraction, like standing up kind of against the furniture and it was really intense. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to sit in, in the toilet and try that. And that was really, really, really super intense as well. But it was also an important moment for me because I really accessed visuals where I saw like clouds, dust, like dust clouds in the cosmos, you know, like how we see like pictures of supernovas and things like that. But I was moving across it, and it was all like orange and red and yellow, but a lot of orange. 
and I could see the dust, like I could see how I was traveling through the dust and I could see like stars kind of hanging around me. And um, yeah, and I remember I, I was really paying attention to kind of like the, the um, sensation of texture that I had from this dust that I was flying through and kind of like recognizing this place as a place in the cosmos and um, mm -hmm. and then that moment was important for me because afterwards my interpretation of that my feeling of that moment was that that's when I was able to go through to the other side of the veil and kind of like meet Leo on the other side and come back together so and I think that the intensity of those contractions was what was what pushed me through to to the other side mm. and then um yeah and there was like maybe two contractions in the toilet with that experience and then i asked julia to help me out of the toilet and i had like a small mattress also in the bathroom i wanted to try the mattress and i lay down um like my chest down and my bum up kind of and um and then the next contraction that came i remember was also super intense and i thought okay i have to get back in the water i can't do this dry thing outside i have to be in the water and i jumped back or slowly moved into it but it felt like i was going for the water so quick because i was like i can't take this anymore it was just so intense outside of the water still to today i wonder how do women give birth outside of the water because for me the four contractions at the beginning and those four or five contractions there were the only ones that i experienced out of the water and it was really intense so i got back in the water and i started like moving more like i was holding to the to the rim or with my hands in the bottom and i had also some like towels and pieces of sponge in the water that i could put like under my knees mm. so that i could stay comfortable through the movements and with the weight of my body and everything so i was um squatting sometimes and sometimes i was still kind of like in a squatting position but with my knees down on the ground and moving my hips and toning a lot and slowly the the toning started becoming really intense as well like something got activated in my voice it was almost like operesque you know like mm -hmm. my voice was like really coming out from my belly and really like pushing out my throat and it felt really good to do it um and so I was in that state for a little bit, really just totally immersed in my breath and my voice. And then, um, yeah, and then the moment of birth started getting closer and closer. And, uh, and then uh, my midwife, Oh yeah, finally I was able to ask for water mm. also. 
all of a sudden I realized I was so thirsty. I had had no water during the whole birth. Mm. And the, the contractions were so intense that during the contraction, I was thinking, okay, when it's done, I'm going to ask for water. And then the contraction was done and I would go like, oh, you know, ah, okay, I have a minute, you know, like, okay, now I'm going to ask for water. But then the next contraction came and I had no time to ask for water. And it kept happening, contraction after contraction. Mm. My mouth was just getting so dry. And finally, I was just able to really just like, Awa, you know, just like mumble water. And um, yeah, either my sister or Julia brought me water. Mm. I, I was able to drink water, I think also just once in between contractions when I, when I finally, I knew the water was there, but I wasn't being able to come out of the contraction long enough to take a sip of water. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that, that's also happened there. And that made me realize also how intense it was because it doesn't take long to say water, but I was realizing that I wasn't being able to say water between one contraction and the next, and just like being able to like handle my my sensations, you know. And um, and then maybe it was a little bit after that water that Julia suggested that um, I move. I think she felt that I was since since I was really low. She felt that. I was too low, maybe. Like, her interpretation of my position, I think, made her feel that the baby was going to come out and hit its head against the bathtub or something like that. And so I think she felt that she needed to, like, do something about it. So she, she suggested that I move. But I also think the baby was already crowning. Mm-hmm because I, I heard her say that I should get, get up a bit. So I gave her my hand. And at that point, my, my sister was, was there as well. I remember looking into her eyes and, um, and I gave Julia my hand and as she, as she tugged, kind of pulled, something weird happened and I had a lot of pain, but like pain, like something's getting stuck. Like mm. I, sh- I shouldn't have moved. And so I had to like let her hand go, like kind of like shake her off because I, I also like, I mean, I didn't have the capacity of explaining or anything, you know, mm. it was just like, okay, wait, this movement that I'm making, it's not okay. I have to go back. So I, I let go my hand and I went back into the position that I had. And I had a moment of thought, and and it was always the same decision to go back inside. You know, like every time, it was not many times, but this was another time where my brain started to get active. And I was like, nope, go back inside and just go back to the breath and go back to the vocalizing. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And... Um, and go back to the to the eighth movement that I was doing in the bathtub, and um, yeah, and then the moment was getting closer and closer, and I remember Mario and Julia calling Bobby so he would come in the bathroom, 
And then, um, yeah, this was also really funny. The teapot started um, beeping. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it was getting to the point where, like, the next contraction, some like, something's coming out. And... Um, and so the teapot started beeping and it's going beep. And so I look at Bobby and I'm like, go turn it off, you know? So he ran into the kitchen, turned the teapot off, returned to the bathroom. And then the next contraction came, Leo's head came out. <laughs> and, and so now the head is out and I can't, I can't see it really. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling around it. Uh, actually, no, the head is still not out. The head is just like a, a little bit out. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how that is called, but I think it's crowned and the head is showing out a little bit. And so I could feel with my hand like around, around his head. I could feel like his head was really fuzzy and furry and very soft. And so I was feeling around his head and... Um, and as I was feeling around his head, I also felt my vulva. Mm -hmm. And I felt like my clitoris was like kind of inside, you know, because it's so stretched. Mm -hmm. The clitoris, to me, it felt like it was inside. Maybe it was all the way up or all the way inside. I don't know, but it felt like it was moved away from the place where it usually is. Mm -hmm. And the sensations were amazing, were like super 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 sensitive but in a good way you know like like the, when you're like in total climax of um of a clitoris orgasm mm -hmm. and it's like kind of like tingling in your head you know that kind of feeling is what i was started feeling as i was touching his head mm -hmm. so i started to to rub his head a little bit and i started to touch myself as well and I started feeling all this like arousal coming up and um, and then I think that really helped or was totally like interwoven that orgasmic experience, which I was totally not expecting to have because I, w I was thinking like, fuck it, you know, like when you're in the middle of it, nobody's going to be thinking about, oh, let's do this orgasmic or let's feel sexy right now. And I was right. There was absolutely no thoughts of that. But simply when I put my hand there and I started rubbing the hair, the head, by chance rubbed myself and started getting those feelings. So then I kept doing it, I realized. And I kept doing it. And I was able to like give myself an orgasmic experience in that moment that We're back. We're back. Yeah, in the intense moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know exactly where we left off, actually. I remember you said you were able to give yourself this orgasmic experience. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> right there. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then, 
yeah and then the and then the head came out so i really didn't feel this um i think it's called the ring of fire sensation i didn't uh, get that feeling um i think it's because i was feeling the orgasmic sensations that i didn't feel that feeling in the moment when the head when it stretched all the way out and the head came out um also when i was when i was like going around the head and giving myself these sensations i was also telling myself i love myself i remember i was having it i was having a hard time yeah just staying completely focused you know and um not wandering off or not not um giving way into like questionings in my head so i remember and this is like a technique i have like in my life that i love myself and so um i remember i was uh, yes rubbing his head and stroking myself and saying i love myself i love myself i love myself i love myself and then uh, his head came out and um and then yeah and then i couldn't see him oh yeah and i felt i had this moment maybe it, i don't know if it uh, if you heard it when i said it last time or it got cut off before but um where i felt like this time that i had to breathe now that the contraction stopped was so beautiful like i just really needed this break i really needed to be able to just like chill for a moment and breathe and just kind of like relax my body mm-hmm. um but then oh and somewhere in there i remember i also asked julia to take a video because mm-hmm. i thought she was going to be taking pictures and video very discreetly the whole time but to my surprise she wasn't and so at this point i asked her to 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 take a video so she was taking a video of of all of that um yeah so they could see they could see leo's head but i i couldn't see it i could i was just feeling it and um and so they could see that leo's head was getting like kind of blue or purple you know and i wasn't seeing it and i was really enjoying this moment of being able to breathe and relax and i wasn't i i wasn't feeling like i was in a rush yeah and then i remembered that hana told me that sometimes it takes a moment between the head and the rest of the body so i remembered those words from her and i thought okay everything's okay you know like there's i don't need to worry i just like keep on flowing and it's going to come you know because yeah because i was just kind of waiting for the next contraction right mm-hmm. and so this my sister and and julia they start wondering i guess and they ask me you know like if this next contraction is coming and so i'm saying yeah well no you know it's not coming and um it's just a moment i'm just breathing you know <laughs> and um yeah and so my sister uh, kind of insists she's like well this is the moment you know like this is the moment now like you got to um, you got to push and i remember i was not like i was really not feeling like pushing i was really just feeling like enjoying this moment and i could tell that they were getting a little bit nervous 
but I could also just tell that I just there was nothing I could do kind of thing you know and um, and so I just I just relaxed and then my sister said um, that this was a good moment to do some uh, nipple stimulation so I started touching my nipple, she was touching my nipple, then she said, okay, let's get Bobby here to come touch your nipples. And I was like, yeah, Bobby knows how I liked, how I like my nipples to be touched. So Bobby came and he was touching my nipples. And then, and then sure enough, the next contraction came, but it was like four minutes, I think, between the head and the rest of the body. Um, the next contraction came, and then the rest of the body came out. And I was able to hold Leo under the water, and he opened his eyes, and we got to see each other through the water, because he was underwater and I was above water, but we were looking at each other for a second. And then I pulled him out and put him on my belly, and then I started rubbing him and talking to him, and rubbing his back and rubbing his feet and then Mario told him tells me you know he's still not breathing and I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, like but um, I also knew that it was not uh, like he didn't have to start breathing right away so I kept like massaging his feet and uh, massaging his back and t talking to him and and holding him and then uh, and then yeah and then he gave his first breath and uh, did a little a little squeak and um, yeah and then a moment that for me was really important in the birth was this moment right after the baby came out and I asked in my birth plan that I wrote, and I also told everybody specifically, you know, like, I want that in that moment I'm left alone because I want to see what comes up in me that is, like, what is my most animalistic instinct to do in that moment. And I want to feel comfortable to go ahead and play it out, act it out. But instead of that, Bobby jumped in the in the bathtub. He got so excited that clearly he was not thinking and he jumped in the bathtub and he kind of like threw himself on top of the baby. So I was trying to look at the baby and all I had was Bobby's head there. And uh, it was a bit of an awkward moment because I started feeling kind of like an emergency state of like, wait a second, I need to see this baby, you know, because I still didn't get a chance to he just breathed and we were all just like, yay, he's breathing, you know? Mm. And uh, and in that moment, yeah, Bobby got so excited, he jumped in. Uh, but I still didn't really get to like really see him because before I was just like feeling him with my hands, you know? Mm. And uh, so I started getting kind of nervous then. And I think um, Julia saw, saw, saw my face and in this case she was the one that that remembered what my desire was and so i was able to cross vision with her and be like this is the moment and she says yeah yeah let's give them some space and so she helped me again create this space so i stayed in the bathtub with him but also very quickly it started getting a little bit cold and chilly so i wanted to get out and dry up 
so and I needed help to get out of the bathtub mm-hmm. so I didn't create that moment for myself then um, and and again time is strange so like every second is every second is a moment in those moments you know it's like and so um, I, I they helped me out of the bathtub and I sat on the on the a mattress I had outside in the bathtub with like some pillows and something holding my back and uh, and so I was holding Leo in my in my tummy and I had seen the I can't remember what it's called right now but something crawl you know when the baby is actually on the babe on the belly and the baby goes kind of like crawling up to the boob right mm-hmm. And my my aunt, she she works with Liga de la Leche, and she had showed this to me, and she had told me like how important it is for the baby to like find the boob, right? So I thought, okay, now I give the baby some time to like roll around in my belly and find my boob and so on, and we're waiting for the placenta to come, and and so there I had a bit of that moment with him. Everybody left me alone in the bathroom with him, and um, um, yeah, and I guess it's when we got to connect for the first time, and also something happened that I still think about today, which is why like presence is so important because at one point I think when I just took the step out of the bathtub and sat outside. Leo looked at me and I and I didn't in that moment because I was um, not giving him my full attention not giving that moment my full attention because I was a little bit worried about just walking out and sitting and being able to be comfortable he looked at me and I saw him looking at me but I didn't stop to really look at him in the eyes in that moment I was like in the middle of a phrase of saying like bring me a blanket or something I don't remember. But I f- I felt kind of that I missed that moment where we just had to look at each other. And and it's interesting because still today I think about it and still today I try to go back to that look and look into each other's eyes. Because Leo is a bit like aloof, you know. And so sometimes aloof? I want to look aloof. It's like a term used in psychology when he's like um, using distraction, mm-hmm. you know. So I want to really connect with him and look at him in the eyes. And he will hold the vision only for a few seconds before he's looking away. And somehow I think that it's related to that moment where he gave me this very first strong look and I was not able to sustain it. I was not able to maintain it with, be there with him and receive that look and look at him back. I looked away and then I saw it. And then I was like, oh no, that moment, that was it. And I went back into it, but it wasn't the moment anymore. You know what I mean? And... 
And so it's something that I still work to until today. I mean, now there was already two years and almost five months. And I still today think about that moment and think about the importance of that presence and think about how maybe I'm going to be um, calling back on that presence for for many years, you know what I mean, for, for a long time. So it's interesting. But then after that, I was really able to like call myself on it and be like, okay, this is a moment this is when you can make this moment for yourself because I didn't get it before when Bobby jumped in the bathtub or, you know, but I had to make that moment for myself and, um, and just be there with him and, and, um, see if the crawl was going to happen or not. And then uh, eventually he was trying a little bit, but he was too tired. So he kept falling asleep. Mm -hmm. So I helped him a bit to get to the boob mm -hmm. And he latched right away, and he latched really good. I had some um, like video classes with my aunt also explaining how to how to do the latch. So I was prepared for that, and he yeah he latched great, and he started breastfeeding right away. And and uh, there was another funny episode somewhere there in the middle where Julia's bringing the blankets to cover the baby and she forgot where the blankets are. So she was bringing the kitchen mops and I was freaking out a little bit being like, what the fuck? I don't want the dirty kitchen mops. Just please bring me my baby blankets. <laughs> and then eventually the baby blankets, I think, got there. And, and, um, yeah. But the, those little details, you know, like, again, it was a lesson about letting go, but also about how important it is that the person that's going to be taking care of you is also really present in the things that are important for you, you know. I think that, wow, you know, like, I, I dream about communities where women are together and they know their doula and their midwife, their doula and midwife knows them as a person, not just for the moment of giving birth, but also knows them as a person. I think I was really lucky to have my sister be able to be here for me for the birth because she really knows me. So she knew that I didn't want to talk. She knew that I didn't need this or that, or she just knew, you know, like, and at one point she showed up with a joint, for example, because I, I told her, I'll probably want to smoke a joint somewhere in the middle of the birth. And then uh, the moment where I got out and sat on the toilet, she probably thought, oh, this is that moment, you know? And so she made, she went there and she made a joint with me. And then when I smelled the smoke, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> not aware, I can't smoke right now. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I think that it's really beautiful to be able to share that space with people that know you so that you feel safe in terms that you don't have to explain yourself. Because when you're so deep in a journey, Finding the words to explain yourself will take you out of the journey, you know? So this is why I can't imagine what it would be like to have a baby in the hospital because being able to go into that journey when and being present also with what is happening outside or just being able to totally disconnect from the outside when the outside maybe can be so flashy and intense in your face must be such a difficult thing to do. Mm -hmm. So... 
Yeah, I think I was I was very lucky that I got to have my sister there. I felt really really safe with her. I felt like a, a connection and a huge trust and um, and uh, like uh, an accomplice. I felt like I had an accomplice, somebody that I could look in the eyes and very quickly she would know how I was, you know. So I think that I was very lucky to have that. And um, yeah, and when you asked at the beginning, what, how did I imagine um, the midwife being at the birth? Well, so then uh, Julia, the doula, and my sister also asked me, so what do you imagine we're going to be doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is really funny. I just want to tell it because it's funny. Mm -hmm. But I, t I, I wanted them to be able to mimetize with the wall. Like, I wanted to know that they were here, but not be able to see them. Just have the, know the knowing that they were here if I needed them, but I, mm -hmm. I, I actually didn't want to see them or feel them too much. So... Uh, yeah, like the Sherlock Holmes movie where the guy is standing and he's painted like the wall so nobody can see him. So that was kind of funny. But yeah. I think it was really, really nice to, yeah, to have just them, you know, just Bobby, Julia, and Mario for the birth and not more people. Um, I was really glad that I listened to myself about not having my mom in this space at that time. I think that it was really important for me to feel that I wasn't going to be judged in any way mm. or that I wasn't going to be, that nobody was going to suggest me that I should be doing anything differently than what I was doing, you mm. know, because I was totally trusting in my body and totally connecting with just allowing things to happen. And I, and I, and I felt that I just needed to totally be in that space of trust and, mm. and surrender and allowance. And so I did it, and I also mm. proud of myself, I guess, you know, because <laughs> it worked out fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and then the then nothing was happening with the placenta. Yeah. We were just kind of starting to get a little sleepy and wanting to be more cozy. And uh, so my sister came to check on me and go get the ball for the placenta. And then I just did like uh, a small kind of like adjustment movement on the, on the mattress and the placenta came out and it was a lot of blood mm -hmm. and a lot of really big um, uh, clots really big clots like the size of my hands you know like so when the placenta first came out we thought wow it looks like it's broken in pieces hmm. and um and so my sister went to get like another container to be able to like really like separate and go through it and really see what the state of the placenta was and so she was able to see that um that uh, that the placenta was totally intact and complete and that these other pieces of stuff were just really big clots mm -hmm. uh, clots and um, and I wanted to do lots of things with the placenta also um, so I was gonna do or I did um, 
tincture and I did um, some pills mm -hmm. and I also ate a bunch of it fresh. I buried some on the tree next to our room and um, and I also did some art with it. So <laughs> I did a lot of things with that placenta. Um, so Leo was born at 3.45 in the morning. Um, eventually made it to the to the bed maybe like an hour later or 45 minutes later and uh, got really cozy of course I was so excited I couldn't sleep um, Bobby after the birth got um, like he went into shock so he got a huge fever and um, he was like shaking and shivers and everything so for a while there, I thought, oh no, is this guy sick, you know, like, is he gonna, like, be contagious and give us something? Um, but that, yeah, so he actually slept on the little couch bed that's in our room for a few hours, and I was up for most of that night just looking at Leo and kind of, like, in awe of the whole thing and feeling really high from the birth and, and um and just kind of like integrating all the all the insights that you get about life and about existence and about the way everything is the way it is and the way the universe works and and um, just like all this understanding about you know uh, our I guess our expansive nature, mm -hmm. our God selves, our our experience as humans, and and all these things that I feels like all this information that you can access, mm -hmm. and that and in in those moments of being really high from birth, it just feels like it's just all this understanding and knowingness that you mm -hmm. you can hold. And um, so I almost, I just, I knew, I felt like I never wanted to sleep again. I just wanted to absorb all this stuff <laughs> continuously, you know. <laughs> Eventually I crashed, um, but I think it wasn't until the next evening. Mm -hmm. And um, we didn't cut the umbilical cord until like 2.30 in the afternoon the next day. Mm -hmm. we, we were going to cut it around noon, but I wasn't feeling ready and I was kind of like, doubtful but um i don't know my sister thought it was kind of weird that we were just hanging there with the with the placenta, uh, placenta. so <clears throat> we were gonna cut it and and i helped the scissors and as soon as i was gonna cut leo did a little jolt and i was like okay not ready let's just wait nothing's happening you know it's like people do lotus births and keep placentas for a long time mine wasn't on herbs by then or anything but because i wanted to do the art with it so i wasn't ready to put it in herbs but we just waited another couple of hours and then it was the the right moment so then we we cut the placenta and uh and um and then that's when I started eating it. My mom, mm -hmm. by then my mom had already arrived and she made me some placenta tacos cool. that were really nice. <laughs>
and uh, and uh, yeah, and they were giving me like smoothies with little pieces of placenta in it and the placenta tacos and like you know, my mom made a bunch of really nice things that I ate. I don't really remember. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and then eventually, I think it wasn't until the fifth day that I was able to really like separate myself from Leo because I we were just like t- totally glued on together. Um, that I was able to undo the arts that I was wanted to do with the placenta. So I just I used some birth blood to do a painting, and then I did some placenta prints. And my sister had already done some placenta tr- uh, prints for me. Um, mm-hmm. The the first day, so mm. I already had those, which are so beautiful because it's just like a tree of life. Mm. It's so pretty. And um, do you have it, do you have them in your home? Yeah, yeah. I have the placenta. The placenta, the small placenta prints are just in this like really nice notebook, like a watercolor notebook. And then I have I made a I had some canvases made because I thought I was going to have a lot of time when the birth started before the active phase. So I thought I was going to want to paint. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I got canvases and paints and brushes and everything. And then I didn't get a chance to use it then because I went into the active phase of the birth right away. So I didn't, um, I didn't end up using them, but I had the canvases here. So we made a really beautiful placenta print. It's like four prints of the placenta in the four directions. Mm-hmm. So I have that one at home, and I also have the. I also dried the sack. Mm-hmm. Oh, Julia did that for me, the doula. She dried the sack and the umbilical cord. It's really cute. The umbilical cord is like in the shape of a heart, Aww. and the sack, and the sack to the placenta also. And that's also where you can see a bit of like the veins that go along the sack that look like a tree. So I also have that part dried up. I'm not sure where it is right now, actually. I'm looking to where it used to be, and I can't see it. But it was really funny because here it's humid. And so first that I dried it up, and it was super beautiful. And then I started noticing that there were little bugs going on it. So I thought, I'm going to put salt in it. I put salt in it, and that scared the bugs away. Mm. But it started getting the calling in the humidity because the salt absorbs water. So then one day I went to it and it was like rehydrating. <laughs> so it was <laughs> was rehydrating and it was getting all soft again and everything. And I was like, ah! <laughs> so I took it back to Julia for her to put it again in the dehydrator. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I really only got back got it back kind of recently. Um now, after Julia has already had her baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's with, um, with the placenta. And I've only taken placenta pills, I think, once. Mm-hmm. I was feeling really low. I haven't really used them for anything else or for Leo or anything. Or the tincture either. I haven't used it yet. Mm-hmm. But I... Imagine it's like a super powerful medicine that will help both him or I, you know, in our lives if we go through something really 
intense where we need to like be kind of pulled back into our roots into our center yeah yeah and then bobby was here after the birth for a couple of months and then he he left the states and that's when you came Mm -hmm. it was like two months i think when you came two months and and a week or something like that when you came to stay here with me and and have some of those experiences so special (laughs) so special